from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, broadcasting from the Pods Moving and Storage Studios. It's the Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. It's a show about your life and your money. Jade Washaw, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. As we answer your questions about life and money, open phones at 888-825-5225. That's 888-825-5225. CJ is starting off this hour in Chicago. Hi, CJ. How are you? Hi. Thanks for taking my call, guys. Sure. What's up? So um, I'm 38 years old. My wife's 34. Um, We have uh, our take-home income is about $120,000 a year. And I've been, well, we've been working on um, paying off $57,000 in debt um, for the last six months or so. And my wife, she's six months pregnant. Um, so I've just been kind of saving money since we found out. And come to find out, uh, she racked up $50,000 in credit card debt that I wasn't aware of. And I'm terrified and I don't know what to do. In the last six months? Um, no, this has actually been going on for longer than that. Um, I think it got worse since she became pregnant, buying baby stuff, and I don't know what all was going through her head, um, but, yeah, I'm scared. Okay, let me let me make sure I get the entire picture, okay? Um, she knew, and you two were having conversations, that you're trying to pay off $57,000 in debt. Yes. And you're watching to do that. Meantime, she's buying things. And so she was lying to you. Yeah. By not telling me she was lying. Yeah. Wow. Oh, purposefully hiding it. That's like deception. Correct. Yeah. Terrified is probably not the right word to describe your emotions. Yeah, that's, that's accurate. Um, when you okay. confronted her, what, what happened? Um, she immediately came clean and started crying and she, I mean, she feels bad about it. She knows she was in the wrong. Um, I, I told her that, you know, I can forgive her if she takes right steps to clean this up with me. And I mean, with her being about to have a baby in a few months, I told her, um, I will work as much overtime as I can. Luckily, it's available to me. Did she and tell you about it or you found out about it and confronted her? Because that's a key thing here. Yeah. Confronted her. How'd you find it? Um, I had someone call me wanting us to um, refinance our mortgage, and they were going through our credit report. And when he told me how much debt we had, I told him he was wrong because it was $50,000 more than what I thought we had. And then he went through and told me what it was, and that's when I confronted her, and she came clean. Yeah. All right. So let me back out. Let me pan out just a minute here, okay? And then we'll, mm-hmm. we'll get to what to do tactically with the money stuff in a little while. Okay. Having done what I do for 30-plus years, um, what we've discovered is, is that uh, this is first and foremost a breach of trust. Right. The money is secondary. The primary okay. thing, and, and that's why people in my world call this financial infidelity, because mm-hmm. it's a deep breach of trust. 
sexual infidelity is a deep breach of trust. And truthfully, for most people, this activates the same part in your brain or in your soul that sexual infidelity activates because it's first, it's not sex as much as it is a deep breach of trust. Right. Right. And so, uh, I'm telling you all that and I'm making a big deal about it, not to get her in trouble, but, uh, I'm going to strongly suggest you guys see a marriage counselor. Right. I think it's probably going to happen. Because your wife systematically lied to you for an extended period of time. And she needs to get that really deep inside of her. She's mm-hmm. been a liar, a deceiver for an extended period of time. And what that does to your relationship and what that does to your trust of her. Mm-hmm. This is not I bought something at Target and forgot to tell you. Right. This is a this is a way different thing. Hey, can I ask you a question? $50,000 is a lot um, of money, which means there's a lot of items. Was she, can, can I just ask, was she bringing home things and you're like, hey, where did you get this? And she's lying. Oh, it was a gift. Did you notice things coming into the house? Can, can you tell me a little yeah, bit more about that? How are you so unplugged that 50 grand where the stuff shows up and you don't realize it? Yeah. Well, it's 100%. I mean, I take full responsibility for not noticing sooner. Um, yeah, she was buying, you know, baby stuff, but no, like, big ticket items that really Mm. self any alarms. Um, but I think she was using it. It just became a crutch for her. She was using it for everyday items, groceries. She's wanted it for anything she wanted that was not in the budget. The two of you had agreed to. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, you guys got some relational work to do first and foremost. Okay. And Mm -hmm. the way a Henry cloud's got a new book coming out on trust. If it's out already, you need to go get it. And both of you read it because the you are on track. The way you repair trust is first there is a, uh, a an admission of how big a deal the trust being broken is by her okay. and by you. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, the language you're using is a little bit soft peddling it. You're not owning all of your emotions. In other words. I'm scared is not is not like I'm really so pissed off I can't breathe. That's Mm -hmm. different than I'm scared. Yeah, I don't think it's fully hit me yet. Like I said, I just found out three days ago. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad you're being nice about it and behaving. I don't want you to do something crazy. I don't mean that. But uh, and I don't think this is the end of your marriage. It shouldn't be. But she has to own the fact that she has lied to her husband for an Mm -hmm. extended period of time. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And then once she does that, then you say, okay, we're going to put in place some systems and some communication processes with the guidance of our marriage counselor to rebuild the trust. Okay. And that is going to be that we talk a lot about this. We talk a lot about our budget. We talk about a lot about where every dollar is going. We talk about there's, you know, and you're going to start pulling the credit bureau report once a month. And, um, you know, we're going to work through this and pay it off together. I don't mind paying off the 50 grand, but you've got to have assurance deep in your soul that this is not going to happen or something like this isn't going to happen again. Yeah. I'm wondering if something set that off or was this a behavior that, you know, that she's always just been prone to overspending, you know, or is this something that's like, I'm freaking out because I'm having a baby. You know what? There's not really an excuse. There's, there's not. this This is lying. I mean, it's just, I don't, having a, lots of people have babies and don't lie. Happens all the time. 
Uh, lots of people have husbands that are too tight on the budget. That's or right. wives that are too tight on the budget, and they still don't have to lie. That's true. They just stand up to the control freak and go, uh-uh. That's uh, true. We need a little more stuff, more stuff for the baby. Yeah. Put it in the budget, bubba. Instead, My- sneaking Oof. off and running up 50 grand is not okay. So no. you guys got to work through the relational part of this, and the money stuff you'll clean up pretty quick. This is The Ramsey Show. I want to tell you a true story. I got a letter from Fran in Virginia once. She and her husband, Gary, were loaded down with debt. They decided to get serious and worked for over two years to pay off $65,000. They were able to buy their dream home. Gary had just started a new job and things were looking really good. Six months later, Gary unexpectedly died. Wow tears my heart out. Besides the grief and shock, Fran had no income, was on her own, and her social security benefits couldn't pay the mortgage. Talk about feeling lost and alone. The only good part of this story is that Gary had term life insurance through Xander, so Fran was able to deal with her grief without being overwhelmed with money issues. Sad story, but I share it with you to make a point. For over 25 years, I've been telling you about the importance of term life insurance and protecting your family. Having life insurance is what responsible people do for their families. It's why I tell you every day to go to Xander.com or call them at 800-356-4282. Jade Walshaw, Ramsey Personality, is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. You jump in. Hey, before we jump back to the calls, let's go uh, back to that subject where a spouse has lied to their spouse over an extended period of time about a large amount of money. Yeah. Okay. Um, There's lots of possibilities of things that go on there. Um, And so if you're out there listening um, and you're struggling with that, let me tell you, the longer it goes on, the bigger the blow up Mm -hmm. when it comes out. So if you happen to tune in today, you need to go in. Trust will be rebuilt faster if you admit it rather than being discovered. Yes. Number one. So yeah. that, that starts the process. And then you need to figure out what it was that caused you to want to hide. Now, what can happen is, and I've seen this a lot, is it can be. This wasn't the case with that guy mm-hmm. or his wife. But what can happen is, is one spouse is doing the bills. The other spouse is just rocking along yeah has no idea what's going on Mm -hmm. and the spouse doing the bills can't figure it out it's out of control and in order to keep up the lifestyle that the other spouse that knows nothing is going on they as a shame-based thing prop up the lifestyle with debt yeah and unbeknownst to the other spouse so they're, they're propping up the family lifestyle another thing that can happen is uh that, that causes this kind of deception. Most of the time, these people are not just liars. Yes, they, you're right. They result in becoming liars, but they're not like, I get the opportunity to, with malice, screw up my life by lying. That's not usually what's going on in their head. So it can be shame-based in that regard. Another thing that can happen is they start that you have a spouse that is a control freak that's too tight on the budget, mm-hmm. and their way of rebelling is to say, well, screw you. Right. I'm just going to go over and get some stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't give us enough for food, so I'm going to buy some food. Yeah, I'm taking matters into my own hands. I can ring this up on a credit yeah. card, and that way I, they're trying to pull back some control into their own hands. Yeah, because the the relationship isn't healthy. 
Right. Meaning there's no give and take. Both votes don't count at the budget committee meeting. Mm -hmm. So when you're having a budget committee meeting, both votes count. Both of you get a say. And, you know, and 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 in case of a tie, you got to figure it out. That's right. And so uh, you're not, you know, yes, I want to get out of debt really fast. Yes, we're going to sell intense, but no, $100 a month for a family of six is not enough for food. Hello. (laughs) Okay. I mean, really. Well, then there's the scary side of it, Dave, where if there's a spouse that's pulled out their own credit card and they're spending, there could be something even more ominous at play, whether it's an affair or uh, some sort of addiction problem. Exactly. That's the the third one is they're hiding some other misbehavior Mm -hmm. with the financial. So it's not unusual at all. I mean, because the the thing we used to laugh about, it's not funny, but, you know, a guy's having an affair Mm -hmm. and he's covering all of that with the credit card over here hidden on the side because you can't really put side honey in the budget. Right. <laughs> right. You can't a have a, a light item it's for side chick. not a line chick. item in the budget we're going to agree to, right? <laughs> right. So uh, that, that, you know, that, that's what you got to figure out. So that ain't, you know, that doesn't play either. But there's, there's so deception is deception is deception, and it mm-hmm. can be that there's something else going on. Well, the question is, okay, so we know, Dave, um, in the case of gambling, in the case of addiction, even some of those other things, those would be the times where you can put limitations on how you're combining your money. Exactly. Now, what at what point, because the the call we took earlier, there was $50,000 being spent. That's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. At what point would you say, okay, maybe it's not addiction, maybe it's not something like that, but my spouse is just gone off the rails. At what point would you say, okay... There might be a separation of finance that has to go into it. There's a separation of finance until trust can be rebuilt. If trust can never re- be rebuilt, that means the marriage is gone. Yeah, agree. So, I agree with you. Uh, I mean, if you're dealing with someone who's recovering uh, from an addiction, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be unusual at all for them to have zero access to the money mm-hmm. for a period of time and full communication and openness. Yeah. Because that's part of recovering from the addiction is cutting off the supply of money to do the addiction. Mm-hmm. And so, and to continue to destroy the family mm-hmm. in the process. So, and violation of that money thing is also an indication you're back in the stuff. Mm-hmm. You're back in the addiction. Okay. You, are you falling off the wagon? So, uh, folks that we don't do addiction counseling here, but folks that do it, we work with a lot. Mm-hmm. And they tell us all the time there's always a money tie. Yeah. There's always a money tie. You cannot be an addict. 100% of addicts eventually have financial trouble. Well, yeah, because something is funding this well, something, addiction. Yeah, you, you, something's out of control, yeah. and it's always going to show up in the checkbook. And so that, that's what's going on. So there can be that. There can be just – it could just be simple shame. Yeah. But whatever it is on your end, if you're the one that's doing the deceiving, 100% of this stuff is discovered eventually. It eventually. Is. It's going to come out. That's why it's so much better to just put it out there. Look, it's so much. If you're on the the negative side of this, the receiving end of it, I would feel so much better if someone came to me and said, here, look, I made a mistake. Here's what I did. As opposed to me randomly finding out about it and having to come to you and go, here's what I found out. Right. There's a little a teensy bit more grace when that person comes to you. Yeah, well, and and, there, and uh, it's easier to begin to trust again because yeah. that's a first indication of owning it. Well, yeah, you, there's got to be some remorse there in order for them to have done that. Right, yeah, right, exactly. Justin is with us. Justin's in Columbia, Tennessee. Hi, Justin. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hi, Dave. Hi, Jade. How are you doing today? Great. How can we help? 
So um, I'm calling because honestly, a little scared, trying not to get stupid after scared. Um, my wife and I wrapped up baby step two right before we moved a couple months ago. Our second car was in an accident. We bought a hoopty with the insurance money. That car just failed on us, and our one working vehicle is needing some repairs, and we're struggling with needing a second car and everything. And um, I'm feeling like I'm being moved towards a personal loan, and I don't want to go that route. Good. Okay. So, what do you? What's your household income? So, um, we're about forty-five thousand. Okay. All right. And you have how much money in savings? Um, about 300. We depleted most of the emergency fund right after we moved with a couple of things that needed to be done on our primary vehicle. Okay. All right. So the primary vehicle needs more repairs? Um, mostly small things right now that, you know, we don't want to let those go and have them become big things. Absolutely. I want to let them go. You're broke. Mm-hmm. Okay. That adds that adds to the drama when you when you escalate those little things to make them big things. You're adding to your drama. Okay. And so you drive okay, one vehicle for a little while, and you work three jobs, and you pile up some money, and you go buy you another hoopty for four thousand bucks. All right. Yeah. Just we're both working, so um, thankfully it's at the same place, and they're working with us on the scheduling and getting back and forth in one vehicle. Yeah. I mean, right. it's, it's uh, this is our, a time you're going to look back that you say that time in our life sucked. Okay. But you're going to make it suck more if you go back in debt. Now, Justin, you're both working two jobs, and the outcome is forty five thousand. You're both working. We're we're both working um, at a Chick fil A currently because they were willing to work with both of us for scheduling. Um, I was self employed pre COVID. Um, trying to work on building that back up. I was a subcontractor for on site IT. Um, you know, I was traveling out a couple hundred miles a day sometimes. You know how to do IT so, work, and you're working at Chick-fil-A? Um, I'm working on catching up on some of my certifications so I can actually get into more competitive positions. In the meantime, you yeah. know how to do stuff 90% of the public doesn't know how to do. Yes. and it's, That pays more than Chick-fil-A pays. Without the certifications, as a subcontractor, most of the companies are paying equivalent and making me wait a lot longer for the money. The equivalent to Chick-fil-A? Yes. Okay. Uh, Well, I want you doing a whole bunch of that side work also. And I want you to get your butt in gear and get your income up. Because I think Jade put her finger right on it. You guys aren't making any money. I'm not mad at Chick-fil-A. They're wonderful. But that's not supposed to be your career job. That's, that's, that's Jesus. Not when you know Ch- IT? Yeah, unless you own the place, it's Jesus Chicken part-time job, dude. I mean, if you're not one of the owners, yeah, that's the deal. Uh-huh. And Get it's a wonderful place to have a little part-time job if you're a teenager. Right. But not feeding the family with a broken car. No, IT, 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 IT. Get IT. it. Get it. Get it. <laughs> Jade Washaw, Ramsey Personality, is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Today's question is brought to you by Neighborly, your hub for home services. Here at Ramsey, we believe in making home ownership a blessing and not a burden. So we recommend Neighborly's network of service professionals to repair, maintain, improve your home. This is a great company. Find the help you need 
at neighborly.com today. All right. Today's question comes from Thomas in Nevada. He says, I hear you talk about pay for your kids' college or higher education. Why is this a requirement? I'm not trying to pass off responsibility. I went through college and paid my way through. My parents were capable of helping me pay for college, but they went through college on their own and said they learned a lot from budgeting and needing to control their spending in order to pay for school. I plan on helping them start out with books and rent, but not planning to fund their higher education decisions. Is this a mental change that I need to make or are there different amounts that I can help? Um, You know, this is an interesting question and it comes up a lot you know baby step five Mm -hmm. if you're listening and you're not sure about the baby steps baby step five is there uh, to set aside money for kids college whether it's a 529 an esa it comes after investing 15 percent, and it comes before paying off your home so it's important to know where that sits in this whole equation and you know dave we've never said you know we give some percentages and some guidelines for some of the other steps but for this one we don't say and you know, you put 10% for college or you you do $700 a month. We don't tell you exactly how much to put because there is a little bit of a, a discussion that goes into this, right? Um, and I think that's the first place I want to start. Uh, you need to be having a discussion with your kids regardless, whether you plan on having a full fund set up for them, whether you plan on matching them dollar for dollar, or whether you're like, hey, I don't plan on contributing anything, which... I will say I have questions about that. Um, But the key is you do need to have those conversations and you need to have them early because as their parent, it is up to you to help them understand what that process is. It is up to you to make sure that they're making a good plan, a plan that they can actually follow through with without debt. I don't think it's a good idea to just leave them out here flapping in the breeze and hope for the best. And um kind of going back to my first thought Dave you know and this is just coming from Jade talking I can't imagine not wanting to help them in some way with college Mm -hmm. they're my kids Mm -hmm. so I might not depending on financial situations I might not be able to afford for them to go to Harvard right or afford for them to go to even the nicest state school in the area but I want to help them financially in some way and I do think that that should be a goal even if you say, okay, yeah, we're going to match you dollar for dollar. I want you working. And then we're going to put this much in. I do think that there should be a little help there simply because, I mean, I'm like, I'm your parent. I want to help you out. But it it, paying for college is not a requirement. It's not a requirement. He he said requirement and it's not a requirement. It's not a moral thing. You're not an immoral parent. If you don't pay for college, I've often told single moms making 25,000, um, that, you know, we need to teach that kid how to get, um, scholarships yes. and how to work and how to pick a cheap school, uh, because they should just rise up. If that's you, if you're a single mom making 25,000, uh, your kid, uh, you don't ha- you're not a bad mom because you didn't pay for their college. Absolutely. They should just rise up and call you blessed simply for feeding their little butts. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, really, I mean, in that situation, that's a big deal. Uh, now in his case, he's able to pay mm-hmm. and then you can start asking the question so the way i want to ask the question is this is not what is a requirement or what is a moral or ethical it's more back to what you were saying is okay my job is my moral requirement as a parent is to give you uh the tools you need to succeed in this world that's right brush your teeth so you have some that's a good tool to have okay yeah tell the truth 
And, you know, admitting you lied, yeah, little less punishment, but still lots of punishment mm-hmm. because liars don't, crooks don't succeed in this world. Mm-mm. My job is to grow you into a an adult that will help you win. Mm-hmm. Part of becoming successful as an adult is to engage in a lifetime of learning. That's right. Never stop learning. If the last time you read a book was you were a senior in high school, and you've never done any other training of any kind since high school, you're probably not succeeding big time. Oh, no. Well, so-and-so, Dave Thomas started Wendy's, and he was just a high school graduate. Yes, but Dave Thomas didn't start and run Wendy's only on a high school education. He was self-taught. He read. He learned. He grew. He was a, you know, he was an ever, he was a lifetime learner, even though he didn't have the degrees or letters or licenses after his name. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, did he build something the size of Wendy's on the back of only a high school? Ed- no, he did not. A hundred percent. No. Have I built Ramsey solutions based on a four-year degree and the level of knowledge I got then? Absolutely not. If I stopped learning in 1982, when I graduated, <laughs> Ramsey, Ramsey wouldn't be here. Right. Absolutely. You know? So a lifetime of learning is your job mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to instill in them. You're going to be a reader because re- leaders are readers. You're going to be engaged in some kind of learning. Now, then can I encourage that with some level of help? Minimum, as you said, don't leave them flapping in the breeze. Show yeah. them how to do it. Yes. Minimum, show them how to do it. It is your job to show them how to do it. Yeah. If you don't want to pay for it, fine, but it's your job to show them how to do it. Don't expect a 17-year-old to figure this out. Thank you, Dave. They don't have the equipment, okay? Your job is to go, okay, here's where scholarships come from. Here's where work comes from. Mm -hmm. Teach them to work. Teach them to save. Teach them to budget. Yeah, I'm for all of that. Like I've got a friend that was a professional football player, made bazillion dollars, refused to pay. His dad was blue-collar refused to pay for his college this guy refused to pay for a dime of his kid's college Mm. but he showed him exactly how to go do it Mm -hmm. in detail so he upheld that part of it in my case i showed him exactly how to do it and i paid for it that's great because i believe the power of knowledge not of not of degrees degrees don't have any power knowledge is the currency yeah and i believe in that and we paid for our kids college the other reason we paid for it is that way we could control it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and help them navigate that process. Go to a school you can afford. Behave while yeah. you're at the school you can afford. And I'm, I'm holding a wallet over the top of your head making you do that. And so you're going to behave or you, we're going to cut this off. And they've got to understand that debt is not an option because that's the thing if you if you if you cut off the money spigot and say it's up to you it's up to you they've got to understand the implication of debt because my coming in my parents told me all of us all four of us early on you better be smart or you better be good at sports because we're not paying yeah and i'm like okay smart got it got the scholarship athletic scholarship as well but i still didn't understand the implication of debt yep and so i still i still took out some so no debt Pick a degree that that you can actually make some money with yeah. and go to a school that's the least expensive and work your butt off while you're in school. Work I worked 40 off. to 60 hours a week while I was in college, and I didn't die from it. I didn't die from it. Nobody paying for mine. You probably became a better student because of it, Dave. Yeah, not really. 
Well, I think the but, cu- um, they say part time is where you yeah, I mean, benefit. I, yeah, all I did was work, and <laughs> you know, and and but and, and anyway, it, it just it wasn't it wasn't healthy. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. but uh, uh, you know, I think I had thirty two hundred dollars in student loans or something when I came out. But yeah. that was a, a whole other different world. time. Tuition. If I told you what the tuition was, y'all would all laugh. So, um, but anyway. How the heck I got twenty thirty two hundred dollars in debt with that low of tuition? T- I, I kind of want to know what it was nowadays. Impossible, <laughs> impossible. But the point is, you do not have a moral imperative to pay for your kid's college. You do have a moral imperative to highlight the importance of knowledge and show them how to get it. Mm-hmm. And if you want to help them get it, that's okay too. But save up and pay for it. And getting it is not using debt to get it. So really good discussion, Jade. Love really it. good. This is the Ramsey Show. Jade Walshaw, Ramsey Personality, is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Jeannie's with us in New Jersey. Hi, Jeannie. How are you? Hi, Dave and Jade. How are you? Better than um, we deserve. What's up? Um, I need, I just need a little bit of encouragement and some um, clarification on something I heard you say a couple of um, days ago or weeks ago. I can't remember. Um, I am baby step three. I am... Uh, struggling with getting rid of that last credit card because I want to buy a house next year and I do want to do the manual underwriting. But you mentioned something about um, your like having a credit card is more, even if you're not using it, is more damaging than not having it. I want my score to be indeterminable, but can that happen if I have a credit card still open on it? No, it cannot. Just tell me to cut it up. No, it cut cannot. it up. You you cannot okay. you cannot be indeterminable indeterminable while you have open credit accounts. Anything? Even if there's zero balances, anything. Yes, everything okay. has to be completely closed and zero balance. Mm-hmm. Okay. As long as it's open, right. it's still reporting, even if it's reporting a zero a zero balance. Okay, I'm already in touch with Churchill, so we're going through stuff. But they, I, I couldn't understand what you how you explained it before the other day, and I just wanted some. Yeah, that's the damage. The damage is is that what you end up with when you have one credit card open and a zero balance and no other credit accounts of any kind, you're going to end up with a low credit score Mm because you have almost no credit. That's what it amounts to. Even though it's not bad, it's just you don't have any. You'd be like a Mm 20-year-old or something that just got their first card and the only thing they have in their whole life. They're not going to have a high credit score with one credit card, you know? And okay. that's, that's back, that's back where you are. And that's what you're setting up. So, cause the algorithm is based on how you interact. The algorithm that creates the credit score is based on how you interact with credit. Mm-hmm. It's not based on anything else. And so if no, you have zero, in, if you have zero hurt. interaction with credit, then that's when you have an indeterminable, a zero credit score. Jeannie, you said you're yeah. nervous. Are you nervous because you're unsure of your credit score dropping to zero when you cut this up? Are you nervous because now you won't have this credit card in your life? What, yeah. Where's your nerves coming from specifically? I think the nerves are coming from just having that cushion or thinking I have a cushion. And I don't want to think that, but I just, I'm struggling with myself. It's just mm-hmm. a, a battle. It is a battle. Really. Look, I, I'm going to validate that because the credit card companies, that's what they tell us. They tell us you can't exist without us. You need us to prop up your life. You can't spend with they tell they've been telling us this for decades. Don't leave home without Don't it. Don't leave home without and it. I'm, and I'm 53, so I just yeah. started this in in January. I'm just like, you know, I've been that stuff has been drilled in me a long time. And you're, and so you're single. Just trying. 
Yes. And so you're, you're with, you feel vulnerable. You feel a little bit vulnerable mm-hmm. for that reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, yeah, that that's very normal. But what that tells us is, and it, that that I went through this, you know, spiritually myself some thirty years ago. It tells me what I'm counting on. What am I? What is in a right. in a sense not not a true spiritual sense, but in a sense, what is my God? What is mm. my what is my provision? Oh my gosh! You know, okay, I'm going to do it, y'all. It's so you know, good. But I mean, it tell that's what it. I had to cope with. I went, who's providing for me? Yeah, I don't like the way you put that. I know, but I I, I that's what I had to have here in my head, and it wasn't like mm-hmm. a golden calf worshiper. I'm not saying that. That's not what you're doing. But the thing is, this I I figured out. I really can't count on them to make yeah. my life good. I can count on me and my hard work and my diligence and discipline and wisdom, and I can count on God providing for me, right. my Heavenly Father who's crazy about me. I can count on those two things, but I 100% can't count on Wells Fargo. Look. Exactly. You that's know? a word. That's it. And that's, that's you know, who is my provider? And that's that's what they've done. Yeah. They've, they've, they've gotten their tentacles around their claws around that portion of our heart yeah that says don't leave home without it don't leave and that's turns out daniel boone did (laughs) and he he was all right he did okay you know yeah we got to stop bankrupt but anyway but yeah (laughs) instead of relying on credit and credit scores i i just like give yourself credit give yourself credit that you can Ooh. handle your own money give yourself credit that you can budget and you're a big girl and a Isn't big it boy interesting how that word is interchangeable it is credit as in i'm going to go in debt or i'm going to give myself credit cred street cred street i'm going to give myself the belief in myself Ooh, i'm putting that in the quick read and that that's what i'm thinking yeah you know i i, I there, but it that's why the credit cards have be- and, and the FICO score, really, when we talk about this, don't worship at the altar of the great FICO. Yeah. Oh, great FICO, provider of all good things. We bring you offerings of interest so that you give us a bigger score that has nothing to do with nothing except how much we play kissy face with the bank. And, we, you know, we, we really, this is our provider. Yeah. Oh, FICO, good old FICO. And I, I think of these bad B movies with like a, you know, like a pyramid with flames coming out of the top and the, you know, the... the the, the you know the the face the face made out of stone and yeah. there's smoke coming out the ears and yeah great fico <laughs> oh great fico we worship you you know like we're mayans or oh, something boy. oh my god give me a break no none of that yeah but i mean that not picking on her but i mean that's where i was too i i get it yeah we were convinced the best way to become wealthy is to go in debt stay in debt yeah by the people who want you to go into debt and stay in debt yeah, oh. uh, they've convinced us of that. The borrower is truly slave to the lender. Good. Hey, we another one down. She's going to cut it up, Jade. We she did. She is. It. She's going to do it. She's going to do it. Kyle's in Spokane. Hey, Kyle, what's up? Yes, sir. I'm happy to speak with you, Mr. Ramsey, and Mrs. Walshaw today. Uh, I have a quick question. My wife and I are on baby steps four, five, and six. We recently sat down with a few of your smart investor pros, all of whom were excellent. Good. But we've narrowed it down to two. Good. Uh, the, but there's one big difference between them. They'd both be great to work with, uh, but I hope to get some guidance. One is strictly fee-based. They assess 1% of the account value annually, mm-hmm. and that would decrease by a few tenths uh, as the account increases in value. The second is commission-based. Mm-hmm. 
uh, where it's three and a half percent of all new money invested mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the long term. It seems like the fee based approach would be way more expensive, but he argues that commission based guys may use mutual funds with higher uh, maintenance fees to kind of compensate themselves. With well, the that would not be true of would a smart investor. Someone that has integrity would not do that. So a smart investor that's wanting to charge you, I, I buy commission based. But most okay. people do managed funds, like you're talking about. The vast majority of our smart investor pros are managed funds, or the one percent plan. Okay, okay, the vast majority of them. Are. Okay, but there's nothing. There's nothing inherently, uh, automatically bad about one or the other. Uh, and you're right. Technically, you will come out cheaper with the commission base than the managed base. Technically. Okay, over the scope of your life, okay, mathematically. But neither one is a ripoff. Both are worth the money. And so, like, uh, like uh, I'm pretty sure, for instance, Rachel and Winston have theirs on the 1% plan, and I do the old-fashioned the old, the, the old fashioned commission plan. That's more of an old-fashioned style, okay? But it is cheaper. Okay. They're called A-shares. You're buying A-shares. And uh, the most you'd get charged is five and three quarter on the front end. And then nothing after that, nothing ever after that. And so right. what, yes, what's sir. it take? It takes five and three quarter years to break even on that. Right. And so uh, yes, after that, you're making money. So 10 years in you, you make, but either one or fine, neither one are going to keep you from getting rich. Having a good fin- financial advisor is going to make you rich because they're going to keep you in the game. They're going to have the heart of a teacher. And I wouldn't turn around spit for the difference. I, if I were you, I wouldn't pick it based on that. I would instead pick it based on which one of these two your wife likes best. Okay, <laughs> that's a, that's good advice right there. Which one did she like Very best? Good, sir. Which one did she like best? Uh, it's the the fee based. Then go with that. Okay. She just <laughs> likes you, that guy the best. Well, he is handsome. I'll give him that much. Oh, I didn't mean that. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. No, that's not a reason to pick him either. <laughs> Otherwise, no one would ever listen to my advice. I was about to say. So, hey, you weren't about to say that. <laughs> no, I was about to say. I know Dave is not talking about. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> Who can find a virtuous wife for her worth is far above rubies? The heart of her husband safely trusts her. And he will have no lack of gain. This is The Ramsey Show. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Jade. If you love the show and want a deeper dive on your money journey, we have a weekly newsletter that gives you trending and helpful articles and tips on following The Ramsey Way. Just go to RamseySolutions.com today to sign up for our newsletter. Again, that's RamseySolutions.com to sign up for our weekly newsletter.